Hello, hello, my beloved drama listeners. In a first for the pod, it's just Connor right now. Are you gagged? Could you recognize my voice? Wait, if you did, DM me, because I really want to know if you know the difference between my voice and Dylan's, because I've always been kind of curious. Okay, anyway, so we've got a truly great episode coming up, but first, I want to sort of entice you to become a member of our Patreon, aka Patreon by Drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell. For just $5 a month, you'll support the podcast and get access to multiple bonus episodes, including reality show recap caps, a Tony Nam breakdown, the Zoom of our chat with Jackie Cox, and more. Think exclusive merch, Instagram close friends access, all of it. Go to patreon.com slash the drama podcast and subscribe. You literally won't regret it. Okay, now on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New York, York City. City. I am Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And at the time of recording... It's still spooky season. We've yet to have Halloween and we've yet to have an election. Right. And you know what? At the top, I, I like bombarded Dylan with this moments before we, you know. It was jarring. Well, he, he ran in here. Before we started talking to our guests, because famously we record in the same house, but in different rooms, which is mm-hmm. um, confusing for some, but fun for most. Anyway, this episode is probably going to come out right after the election. And I just want to say, I hope that everyone voted i hope that everyone voted blue and i hope that we're in a post-election moment where motivation is not lost regardless of what happens motivation is not lost people are being nice to each other but also people are being honest and you know we talk about politics on this podcast as often as we can you know obviously i understand sometimes guests don't want to do it Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But I will say, in making the decision to be apolitical, it's a political decision because you're in the entertainment industry. Millions of people are unemployed. Who knows when we'll ever be back on Broadway? Which is why it's great. We have things like Broadway Plus, which is a nice little segue. But anyway, I just have to say, like, I hope that you are using your voice, using your motivation, and that you voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because this is truly a pivotal moment in history. You know, I had a friend reveal to me recently that they didn't vote in 2016. Um, you know, they had planned on voting for Hillary, but they were out of state, their absentee didn't arrive, et cetera, et cetera. They just didn't even send it in once it did come. And I think that, you know, like I said, it is such a pivotal moment right now. There are so many resources out there of how to vote early, how not to get your ballot disqualified, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I hope that you're hearing this on the other side of <laughs> a horrible, like, you know, not horrible, but a, an election that's so, so high stakes. So anyway, y'all. I hope that this won't be painful to listen to in a few weeks. That's all I'm going to say. I think it, it will be. I mean, I'm on like Time Hop, which whoever uses Time Hop anymore, and I'm seeing... Um, you know, things from like four years ago where I'm like tweeting or whatever, like, oh, can't wait for the first woman president, whatever. So anyway, drama. Speaking of things that um, were, you know, that remind us of the past, you know, I famously keep this journal slash diary, this like a gratitude journal that I write in every single night. And sometimes I take a little peek at what the next day has in store. Uh And interestingly enough, on this day in history, one year ago, Uh I got a job offer to work for Sereno Coin. Oh my God. 
I know. Which I can't believe it's been a year. I know. Crazy. I remember when you were interviewing. I know. Oh my God. That was crazy. And then I remember your first day was the day we dropped the trail, like the preview for this podcast. I know. Oh my God. That was nuts. Okay. Anyway. Speaking of Sereno coin. Speaking of, but not totally going to talk about it hundred percent, mm-hmm. but we have a great guest today and I'm going to read do. him in. Please I'm do. I'm so Connor. excited. All right. So our guest today has single-handedly redefined what the Broadway experience is over the course of 2020 as the founder and president of Broadway Plus. This company, featuring, featuring many of your favorite drama past guests and Broadway favorites, creates virtual and in-person pre- and post-pandemic experiences that include star meet and greets, backstage tours, performance lessons, and more. In addition to changing the game with Broadway Plus, our guest was the lead producer on Cleopatra, the critically acclaimed off-Broadway theatrical experience, as well as serves on the junior board of Make-A-Wish Foundation's New York chapter, aiding the organization's fundraising efforts and granting dozens of Broadway wishes each year. He's been a concert producer, company manager, general manager for Sting's The Last Ship, a veteran of Sereno Coin, and has done management work on numerous Broadway and touring companies, including Hamilton, Next Normal, Billy Elliot, Ragtime, and Wicked. Please welcome to drama, Nathaniel Hill. Thank you. What an introduction and how appropriate that I got the election day episode because sadly, um, election day falls on my birthday this year. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The most stressful day of the year in America. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I'll also be 31 by the time this airs. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. Well, happy birthday. Actually, funny you mentioned your birthday. It's crazy how this is all coming back to like a shared workspace that you weren't in when I was in. But I remember when I started at Sereno Coin, my you know, supervisor, Kevin Hurst, shout out, angel on this earth, he was like only there for a few days at the beginning of the week because he was about to go on a trip for your birthday. <laughs> Yes, we had a we had a beautiful trip to Mexico for my thirtieth a year ago. Oh my goodness, what a way to celebrate! That's so fun. It was awesome. And I remember, I remembered you because he he said, "Yeah, I'm going with two friends that I also because I'm obviously from Ohio." He was like, "I'm I went to Columbus Pride with them this past summer," and I was like, "Oh my god, I was there!" So it's just crazy how small the world is, you know? I love it. All right, Nathaniel, we have to ask you a very key question that all of our guests must answer. And that's just a very general, are you well? I am well, thank you. Um, I have worked very hard this year and it's, of course, been heartbreaking to see what's happened to our community, but I feel very lucky that I'm in a position um, to help. And I've worked really hard over the last four years to build up a lot of clients and fans of my company and artist relationships and goodwill in the community. So I've been able to work really hard and, and put that to good use this year and hopefully make a small difference. That's amazing. Are you, you're still in New York? I am. Yeah. I haven't been the entire year, but I'm in the city right now. It's really nice. I nice. I know Broadway Plus has been it. something that's sort of like been in my atmosphere for the last couple of years. And it's, it's, I've always been so curious about it. And once starting the podcast and seeing how many of our friends and guests are now, they work for you, essentially. It's with me. With you, with you. That's right. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I've been just even more curious. And it's just so amazing to see all the incredible experiences that you offer through it. Can you just kind of give us a rundown on the origin story behind Broadway Plus? Sure. It has a, a multi-pronged origin. I 
like Connor mentioned, I'd worked on Sting's The Last Ship as a general management associate. And in my position um, at Baseline, I was actually Andy's first employee when he started Baseline, and that was our first client was that show. In my position, I was dealing with um, a lot of housey requests and backstage tours for Stings and his friends and all the investors and just, you know, people who expected a slightly above and beyond experience when they came to see the show for him. Um, so there was that element. There was um, the element of just being friends with Andy and seeing Hamilton take off and the, you know, the average prices and what people were willing to pay for what they considered a premium Broadway experience, seeing that just skyrocket. And then most importantly, I decided instead of stopping work and going to business school and getting an MBA, which I long considered, I decided to do a business certificate at Columbia, night classes basically, and only a few of them. And in one of the classes, I had a really amazing professor named John Boxtos, and we were forced to come up with an idea for a business. And I came up with an idea that Professor Boxtos, who happened to be a luxury hotel consultant and sort of knew the luxury lifestyle travel space, he helped me refine it and figure out what it could be um, and what I uniquely could bring to, to Broadway and to, in this case, to the, the luxury travel industry as well. Um, and then I spent a year talking to everyone I knew in the business, seeing why this wasn't being done and if I could do it. And then I decided to try. That's amazing. That is so cool. It's just like one of those cool moments you can like trace back everything that led you to a certain spot. I'm so curious. What was the very first VIP experience that you offered? Wow. That's a good question. I remember I started working with Kinky Boots really early on. Oh, I love Kinky. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. Me too. So when I I was working for Daryl Roth uh, at the time when I decided to go out and try Broadway Plus. And I said, Daryl, I really don't want to leave. I've loved working here and on your team, but I just have to try this. And she said, oh, that's great. You should do Kinky Boots. So, which I think is really amazing and speaks to what a kind and encouraging person she is. And uh, so I started working with Kinky Boots really early on um, and loved every minute of it. Oh, that's so cool. So was it primarily like backstage tours at that point? Yeah, so our, our core very core product is a VIP experience that includes a premium seat, a backstage tour with one of the performers, often one of the stars of the show and a gift bag and a drink in the theater. Oh, sounds amazing. <laughs> what I would give for that right now, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Oh my God. That's so fun. Okay. So I'm curious too, you mentioned, you talked to people in the industry who said you were like, you know, why wasn't this done yet? Was there like a general consensus or reason that people gave you like, you know, why there wasn't something like this already? It was basically the, the bookkeeping, logistical back end of it. You know, there's a lot, as you know, there's a lot of rules and procedures for how money comes in and how it gets distributed and who deserves what and so many contracts apply and so many traditions and political relationships apply. So 
um, it was a challenge to figure out, okay, all this new money is coming in. I have to be paid. It was important. It's important to me to always compensate actors directly. And so, and of course mm-hmm. you have to pay for merchandise and drinks and all the other things. So it was, and it's not a premium seat. It's a VIP seat. They're, they're very technical people. They're, they're different. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was just about figuring out the back end, And of course it's different for telecharge and Ticketmaster. It's different for different theater owners. Sometimes it's mm. different for different producers according to their preferences or the company manager's preferences. So I do have to refigure it out every show. Um, but it was just about creating the framework and the, and you know, so it's like so hard to put a show together. I think people knew that they should be doing this, but no one really had the time or the energy to figure it out because they were so busy doing more critical functions. Well, hats off to you. I mean, it sounds like a logistical nightmare to me. And from what I kind of understand, you you do run the <laughs> show, but you have do you have a small team that helps you as well? I do. I have a great team and we've actually grown a lot this year. Oh, that's great. Because I was going to say, it seems like it would be a lot for one person (laughs) to do it all. But for two years, I did it all. And it was a lot. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Well, thank you for doing that. Because I know firsthand from people who have had experiences since the pandemic in particular, who it has just made their year brought them so much joy. And that's part of like the through line of your career, it seems. I mean, you're also you you do some of the miracles through Make-A-Wish as well as Connor read. Um, You have a very generous heart. Oh, thank you. I do. You know, I thought about it a lot, especially when I was maybe 22 and I had friends becoming public defenders and saving the world. And I have a great friend who's like a, now a leading expert in nuclear disarmament. And I just, that's not me. I think I'm really good at bringing joy to people. So that's what I try to focus on. That's what I try to do with all my work. And I try to do it the best I can. And I think that's my purpose. I love it. I admire that so much. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about too, is like a lot of people within the industry are maybe pivoting right now, which I, I don't know if I like that word as much, but um, what can we all bring to our community now that there's not the main sort of um, framework of what once was, you know? Um, so that's very admirable. How has Broadway Plus evolved since March 13th or, or I believe it was the 13th? Yeah, uh, a lot. It's, I try to think of it as it's grown a lot because mm-hmm. hopefully everything that I had and I built will come back very slowly mm-hmm. in the course of years. So we've, we've grown into becoming the leading platform that actors can use to sell their time and earn income um, working, you know, doing hard work um, through the form mm-hmm. of coaching, meet and greets, group Q&As. Uh, I have a very robust corporate event business that I'm able to provide work to a lot of actors doing virtual concerts and group experiences. That's really cool. Um, I didn't know that part about it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a side piece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it started as one, but it's a great business. <laughs> and through my, I didn't really pursue it actively, but I would host people um, at shows and they would say like, oh, I work at Morgan Stanley. We should do something like this for our clients. So it kind of built our groups. They, they usually see a show and then we'll host a cocktail party with cast members after the show um, and all sorts of other crazy things that they want to do. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, this year we've, we built the booking platform. We continue to do a lot of events and, uh, it's really expanded our reach in so many ways. You know, before I could only work with clients and fans who were coming to New York and able to spend usually $500 or more on a, sh- on a show per person. So a few thousand dollars for their family and that's a small audience. And so now we can reach people anywhere in the world and the price point is much, much lower, um, 100 to $200 typically, sometimes less. Um, so it's been really, really incredible to get a much bigger reach and we're much a subscription program that's only $19 a month. So it's been really cool to, to be able to reach a lot more people and provide access to them. I really love that because, you know, accessibility is the word on everyone's lips. At least it was before before Broadway shut down. And so it's it's really interesting to think about. And this seems to me like like in the last couple of years, I've started giving subscriptions as gifts, like, you know, like a bark box for someone who has a dog or um, what was the one that was like all the the beauty products that you could do. But it was like a men's version for my boyfriend. Oh, my God, I, I forget what it's called. Oh, yeah, I remember you did that. Was that – that was like a year ago. And remember I get I, – I gave your boyfriend the um, Andrew Christian mm-hmm. mystery grab bag. Yeah, it's like a subscription or like an experience. But it was so it was so annoying. They sent like one. You know, I, I I gave him like three of them or something. They sent one that was like great, and then the second one they sent just a T-shirt, and then on the third one they sent the same T-shirt they sent on the second one. So it, that was really annoying, Andrew Christian. They have some kinks to work out in more um, ways than one. <laughs> um, but just to, to get back to it, it was like that the idea of giving a gift of an experience or a subscription is something that I think is so cool. And especially with people who, you know, someone's graduation present normally might have been a trip to New York City from high school or college. And now they could maybe get a one-on-one vocal performance coaching session with their favorite star. And that to me is so valuable. They'll remember that for the rest of their lives. And that's a great supplement. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Especially in this world where we have, you know, I, I don't mean to be redundant, but we have everything at our fingertips and interaction is like more satisfying and everything than before. Like, you know, if someone, if you comment on someone's Instagram, they can like it back and maybe they'll, you know, respond to your story or reshare you. And so the idea that people love having these one-on-one personal interactions is um, more prescient than ever. Uh, anyway so it's a much deeper more intimate connection and instead of you know just kind of a superficial thing and a photo you really get to know the person that you admire so much and you learn a lot from them so that's another benefit that's been exciting and really neat to see this year i love it can i sign up i want one i know i was like nathaniel when this is over and moulin rouge is back i want a vip experience with aaron tveit get in line whatever you want Just kidding. I'm sure he probably lives like a monk when he's doing that show. But um, when you're like the lead of a show, do you remember that whole piece about him that was like, Aaron Tveit rides the subway to work? And everyone was like, so do I. Yeah, that was funny. Maybe it's because yeah. he's like also a TV star. Yeah, and he's yeah. led movies and stuff. Okay, anyway, Nathaniel, I'm curious about something else. We ask all of our guests this, this key question. Ooh, key. You see what I did there? We wonder about that moment when you realized you loved the arts, pop culture, musicals, you know, films, whatever, whatever that is to you, we call it a ring of keys moment, that moment of recognition. 
Do you feel like you had that moment? I do for sure. For me, it's all about hairspray in sixth uh, grade chorus, which I think that would be about the year 2000. Uh, no, that can't be true. Hairspray didn't come out that early. Um, I guess 2003, um, my very cutting edge music director uh, had us do a hairspray medley in, in our concert. And I was obsessed with the music and the album. I named my car Edna. <laughs> my birthday, my birthday present that I asked for and was lucky enough to receive that year was coming to New York to see the show. And I, to this day, I think it's the best musical ever written. I adore it. When we signed Carrie Butler to Broadway Plus, I freaked out. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've been in love with theater ever since. And 13 years later, I ran into that um, teacher who I'd lost contact with at Flaming Saddles in Hell's Kitchen, and I thanked him. <laughs> you love to see it. I am obsessed. I was just going to say, I'm obsessed with this this choir teacher that was like, you know what we're doing this year? A medley from the biggest Broadway hit of the season. That is so fun. Was he sitting at the corner of the bar with a wad of singles in his hand? (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) I think I've seen him there. Um, (laughs) That's amazing. I got to ask. So did you see the original Broadway cast then? No, right after, I think. Right after. Yeah. Um, so John Panette and um, oh, Michelle Dowdy. Oh, John fun. Rest in peace, John Panette, right? Didn't he pass away? Yeah. I don't know. He did? That was, was that your first Broadway show then? Uh, no, my first was Beauty and the Beast. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. We saw it with uh, Annalise Vanderpool, who was Chelsea and That's So Raven. Oh, funny. I honestly have... I oh, yeah, she was great. I have no idea who I saw. I was not there yet. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, Hairspray was then the second show. We saw them on the same trip. And I agree with you. I think it's perfectly written. It is so funny. And the way that the characters can, or the actors can deliver the lines changes it every time. It's, it's so brilliant. It's, it's perfect. And you know, my favorite musical is Catch Me If You Can, which is primarily the same team. So... It's all relevant. I know, I know, my faves. I, I always find a way to bring him up, I love, especially late. I love her 11 o'clock number, what, uh, Fly Away. Amazing. Fly, Fly Away. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ma- yeah, many people believe good. that to be the, the, like, um, the crown jewel of that show. Like, that's what the legacy of the show is, because girls sing it at every audition, at every showcase. You hear it all the time. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. Um didn't people used to call it like the on my own of, you know, I think she called it. She called it that. She did. Mm -hmm. Ms. Butler. Uh Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. It's true. It's amazing. That's similar, similar uh, sentiment. You know, what's funny about it is too, we saw it in like 2006 or seven and there was like three standing ovations during the show and the show had been running for how long at that point? Mm -hmm. I was like, this is theatrical magic that an audience in a, you know, the people on stage can all feel this thing at the same time that it, mm-hmm. in the, after, you, you know, um, what's her name? Motormouth Maybell delivers her big song in act two. People are on their feet. Yeah. I've not seen that a lot since really, really. Anyway. Agreed. Unless you're like a closing performance. Although yeah. when Lauren Patton sang, you ought to know in Jagged Little Pill, I did see a standing ovation. Tony nominee. Tony we, nominee. We haven't talked about the Tony nominations yet. And Broadway plus star. 
Hey. Oh, we love to see it. I'm sure she's so busy. I'm sure she's super busy. We have four of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah we have Derek, Elizabeth Stanley, Lauren, and oh, Sylvia. Oh, my goodness. All, oh my God. All, the, all the nominees. That's incredible. Wait, Nathaniel, what show were you most looking forward to seeing this past season that didn't get a chance to open because of the shutdown and COVID? Ooh, great question. Um, well... I was supposed to go the opening night of six, which was the day everything shut down. Oh dear! Um, but I, don't, I did see the dress rehearsal, so. I- oh, good, good. <laughs> uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps girl from the North Country, because I have a lot of friends working on that, and now now I work with Austin mm-hmm. Scott, who's one of the stars of it. Um, mostly because he he's more well known for having played Hamilton. A little bit, a little bit more well known, right? <laughs> Friend of the pod, former guest. He was yeah. on um, the podcast this yeah. past. June or July, I forget. Yeah. He's so nice. He's oh my God. Yeah. I love it. I know. I think I did. I was most curious about Flying Over Sunset. I'm always intrigued by an original piece, you know? Totally. Yeah. I'm now looking forward to it because I know Erica Henningsen very well. Oh, oh. amazing. She's amazing. Talk about a, a, a star, a Broadway, you know, a working actress performer who's using her platform to get out the vote encourage people to first-time voters. She does this like first-time voters club on her social media. She is doing the work. And even when she was in Mean Girl, she was like doing book drives yes. and things. Like, <laughs> I love, you love to see it. I'll say what my favorite Very show is that I have. Fans. Yeah, she oh, does. Absolutely. Christy um, there. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Christy is the most genuine person in the world. We need to get her on at some point. Anyways. My show that I wanted to see was definitely Carolina Change, and I was sad that it didn't come in yet, but I've just never seen it, and everyone cites it as one of those great shows that just came out in the same season as Wicked and Avenue Q, so it was just like, maybe didn't have as much of a run as it would have. Have you seen the documentary? I think it's just called Show Business. Yes. Great. I was also excited to see Carolina Change because uh, my friend Naya, who played Cleopatra in my production of Cleopatra, that was her... Broadway debut is will be in Caroline or change. You just did a fantastic segue because I need to ask about Cleopatra, which of course starred Dusty Ray Bottoms from RuPaul's Drag Race fame and odd like friend of my boyfriend's because they're both alumni from the same college. Um, oh my God. And also this is so weird. I feel like I'm putting pieces together today for some reason. It must be something in the air. The last time I went to Flaming Saddles before the <laughs> pandemic, <laughs> ran into Dusty Ray Bottoms on the street outside. Yes. And she talked to us for like... 30 minutes. Thirty. She just come from like a bad gig uh-huh. or something. I forget the specifics. We actually had just seen... Uh, we did a two, two-header... Is that what they call in? Double-header. <laughs> Sports. Um, we did a double-header of The Inheritance. Yes. And then we were like, we should Ooh, go to Flaming Saddles. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a day. Um, and we ran into Dusty Ray Bottoms and she had like... She had to get some stuff off her chest, but was so nice. Oh my God, the nice. Oh my God. Fine person, a great performer as well. Loved working with Dusty. So Cleopatra was, this is also a theme in your career too. It seems like you love these experiences. So Cleopatra was sort of billed as, as such, this music or theatrical experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was it immersive, would you say? I'm not obsessed with that word. Okay. We generally said interactive. Okay. Uh, it was like very optional to become immersed and participate. You could also um, hang back and enjoy it. 
but it, it was it took place in a nightclub there was a lot of action around uh there was a, a dj instead of a band the choreography is amazing the costumes were by nicholas Popinski, a project runway alum who does a lot of work ah, so cool. drag race queens and uh it was just more than theater and less than you have to go to this building and wander around so <laughs> <laughs> um definitely an experience like i like like to do like interactive experience Someone had told me they, it reminded them a lot of Sleep No More. And that show that was in Brooklyn, uh, it was like acrobatics and all these things going on. A lot of people told us it was similar to going to House of Yes. Oh, okay. Wow. Very that. Very that. <laughs> Fun as hell. I love that. How did Cleopatra come into your life? I, like so many... Um, I've always like sort of studied producing in school and would like want to be a producer. Some days I still do, but mostly I'm pretty happy with Broadway Plus. <laughs> um, being a producer is really hard. Uh, so I let's right out of school. I met with a lot of artists and tried to come up with a lot of ideas for shows or concepts um, that I could develop as a producer. I'm not I'm not a writer at all. And uh, I, I met with my friend, Jeff Day, who I went to Duke University with. And he, he had two loves, which were musical theater and electronic music. EDM was still cool to call it at the time. <laughs> um, and we just wanted to do a show and an experience that, that melded them together more seamlessly than had been done before. And that concept of, of a DJ instead of a band was very central. And then I built a team of, of writers, one of whom had the brilliant idea to take Cleopatra and turn her into a Beyonce-like figure. And um, just assembled a really amazing and creative team of, of young artists over the years and raised the money to develop it. And uh, we did a, a workshop at Theatre for the New City in the East Village in 2017 that was really, really well received. And based on that, I was able to, to raise much more money to do it in, uh, in Chelsea Music Hall, which is an awesome space underneath Chelsea Market at the end of Oh, I did not know that's where it was. How cool. Yeah, really cool space. I love that. That's, I'm sure that raising capital is one of the most difficult aspects of being a producer. Um, and I know you have some experience with that. Didn't, I, I think I saw that you raised capital for If Then. Yeah, for a couple of different Broadway productions. Um, it is... It requires a lot of perseverance. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Do you find that people are more willing to give small, like like small amounts, and then there's like a huge bunch of like sort of producers, or they're willing to just make huge contributions? Uh, the the legal system is such that you can't you can't really, and it's or at least it's not ideal to take a lot of small donations. The idea is okay. that as few and as large of, well, not donations, but investments as you can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, what I've learned is you have to go out to everyone and you can't be afraid. And some of the people whom I was sure were going to say yes said no. And many of the people who said yes, I didn't even know if they'd pick up my call. Wow. That's truly something I just know nothing about. And so it's, yeah. it's so fascinating to me. Um, 
that's, that's a huge accomplishment. Did you have like a mentor or someone who kind of gave you the tricks of the trade with that? Yeah, I've had mentors. Um, I, I, I worked for David Stone and Jeffrey Seller and remained close to them. I interned for Nanny Eisenberg, who produced all of Neil Simon's work when I was very young because he was a Duke professor. Um, they've all been yeah. really encouraging. Um, I did a, a 16-week program at CTI, Commercial Theater Institute, that was really an, an amazing and invaluable course. I, uh, I run the social media for CTI. Oh, I didn't know. Yes. Might have to edit that out, but we'll just keep going. <laughs> I used to run the social media for CTI. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I loved it. I had a great, I mean, it was, it's, it was in 2013. So it's not, it's not, it's different now. I believe it's 14 weeks now. Yeah. But it, it was an awesome program. So um, yeah, I've been very lucky to have a lot of mentors encouraging me along the way. I love that. That's so cool. Connor, do you think we should move into our thrilling. I do. I, I'm ready. Okay. So we like to wrap up, you know, veer towards the end with something we call a dose of drama. This could be anything that's on your mind, such as a piece of pop culture you've been consuming, maybe maybe a book you've been reading, maybe you've been reading Mariah Carey's, you know, her book, or, you know, a show you're watching, something going on in the in the world, in life. Once again, I'm keep, I, keep, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, will people be hearing this post-election? I don't know. I think so. But Anyway, are you feeling dramatic today? Like, what's, what is your dose of drama? Dylan, do you have one you want to kick off with? My dose is that also at the time of this episode coming out, we will have new music from Ms. Adele Adkins. And it has been five years, and we have been waiting. I will never forget where I was sitting. I was still in college. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> when I heard Hello for the first time, saw that iconic video with her in the fur, in the sepia tone filter. I'm excited for her new, you know, okay, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid this word, but I'm going to take it down in a second. The word era, everyone likes to refer to different pop stars as having eras. And I really don't like that. I don't think Adele needs to change a thing about what she does. I will listen to all of her music forever. Whereas I feel like Taylor Swift touched upon this in the Miss Americana documentary that women have to constantly reinvent themselves. You know, you go from the reputation era to the lover era to the folklore era. Adele had 21 or she had 19, 21 and 25. I don't care if this next one is called 29 or 30, but I just hope that she sticks true to who she is because her music is so powerful and so soulful. Um, And then we'll also have another Ariana album and I want it to be pop and I want it to be ballady, but I have a feeling it's going to be more of her R&B, sort of maybe like um, experimental hip-hop stuff. I think you're so, right. We'll see. What a gag. If there's, that she just tweeted, like, been, can't wait to give you my album this month. I know, I know. <laughs> if there's been another good thing that's come out of this year, it's been that all of our favorite artists have really been able to just undividedly work on new music. So I feel like we have been gifted with new albums. Still waiting on you, Rihanna. But other than that... She's over it somebody like and that's okay somebody if she's done with it that's fine i think she just what makes way 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 more money on all of her other ventures you know like fenty, her fenty beauty and line, her no. beauty line and everything else that she does and like she's not going to be as criticized or bullied for that then i'm sure like the, the criticism comes for coming out with new music people may or may not like you know i mean she came out with like what, eight albums, like one year after the other for so long? I mean, it was like a little bit more spread out than that as it went on, but she's been working so hard, y'all. 
she has. You know, her impact was also felt in slave play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so true. I can never hear that song the same way again. Oh my God. Iconic. <laughs> yeah. And remember, All right, I'm done. I went off. I went off. It's someone else's turn. Remember also she was like allegedly texting during the show or something. And there was like all this hubbub on the internet. Yes. Why did I just say hubbub? Who am I? Okay. An old man. I'm going to do my dose of drama now. So the bachelorette is in full swing. You know, on this podcast, it's well-documented. I've run through every season of, you know, the bachelor, that I guess this is only the second or third time we've had a season while we've been running, but I'm not going to be diving into it as deeply on the podcast weekly because, you know, in the beginning of October, we did launch our bonus content platform, Patreon, AKA Patreon by drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell, Patreon plus drama equals Patreon. And we are going to be doing, you know, if on this podcast, you know, we brand ourselves as theater, pop culture, love and life. And yes, we dive into those topics, but mostly we talk about theater on this one. And so if you really want the pop culture side of it, the Patreon is for you because we are doing deep dives into reality television, into live events, award shows. We're probably going to do extra episodes where we talk about live musicals, etc. So anyway, on the Patreon, we're doing very deep dives into The Bachelorette, you know, Real Housewives of Potomac, every other reality show you can possibly imagine. But I will say this, this season of The Bachelorette has been crazy so far. And at the time of recording, I feel like that's the title of episode at the time of recording. (laughs) But um, Claire is still The Bachelorette and she is playing by her own rules, man. I mean, she, love her or hate her, she is the fantastic reality TV character and she's been on it for what, six, seven years. And she's still... It doesn't feel like she's figured it out too much that she's hyper aware that she's on a reality show. It's She still seems pretty authentic to like who she is and what she's doing. There was that one moment on the episode where um, it was so awkward. She was on the group date and she was like, all right, guys, let's kick off the cocktail party. And then I think it might have been the edit, but you just see like dead silence and no one's doing mm-hmm. anything. And she's like, does no one want to talk to me? And it's like, well, someone who's been on what, three or four dating shows like this, they know how the formula goes. It was the first group date of the season and she's expecting them to know what's coming next. Um, That was the only moment where I was like, yeah, she's a, she's a seasoned vet, but otherwise we'll see what happens um, with her and the alleged scandal that occurs mid season. I know. Um, Anyway, that's my dose of drama is, Check us out on Patreon, $5 a month extra. You're going to get like three, four bonus episodes. You can also watch video Zoom conversations from some of your favorite guests, access to our Instagram close friends, um, polls, questions, anything you want, face-to-face interaction with us. There you go, Patreon. Nathaniel, do you have a dose of drama today? An incredible Netflix show called Call My Agent. My friend, Mary Sugarman, who's a Broadway casting director, at Tara Rubin Casting, recommended it to me. It is in French. It is a French TV show about a talent agency. Oh. And it is the best show I've seen in years. I love it because it's, like, kind of similar to what I do, but they're beautiful and Parisian, and so it's, like, separated (laughs) enough. Uh, The writing's amazing. The acting is amazing. Each... It's a Uh really cool structure. Each episode has an an actual French cinema star playing themselves and they're represented by the fictional ad agent, uh, talent agency in the show. And there's like an, there's like some drama with their shoot or their contract or 
their personal life. Um, it's an amazing show. I highly recommend it. Call it my agent. And it's on Netflix? Yes. Okay. I'm going to have to do it. It sounds amazing. I feel like French is very in right now with like Emily in Paris and everything. <laughs> it's like Emily in Paris, but good. <laughs> Love it. We'll end on that note. All right, Nathaniel, thank you so much for doing this. Um, It was so interesting to hear about your varied experiences. Um, It was just kind of different for us on the podcast, but we're all about branching out in year two of drama. Um, Everybody follow Nathaniel on Instagram, NW Hill, and also follow Broadway Plus at Broadway Plus NYC on Twitter and Instagram. You're going to see all of the amazing lineup of artists who Nathaniel works with. And um, he's, they're constantly adding on more people. So you never know who's going to show up next. Um, Nathaniel, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you. I hope that when we're back in the city, we can grab a drink or a socially distanced wave across the street. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. All right. And everyone can follow me at Dylan McDowell. And me at Connor McDowell and the podcast at The Drama Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you next time. Drama. Drama!